Kia ora and welcome to the Take Your Meds podcast. I'm your host, Gemma Rose. I'm a trauma recovery coach and founder of No New Things and Ritual, my online programs that transform your inner world. Season two of the podcast is all about the new paradigm of leadership. I've called in some pretty extraordinary millennials to chat this through esoteric, philosophical, spiritual, indigenous, and creative lenses to shift your mindset. Let's go. Lifting the veil, the first thing that popped into my mind was just um, what rings true to me is the, the, the lifting up and, and peeling back the layers that still um, shadow and, and shade who we truly are. And mm. so for me, lifting, lifting the veil is about uh, exposing those masks to reveal the radiance that's underneath. Mm. Beautiful. It feels in line with, yeah, what's alive for me for sure. I love that. Yeah. And I feel like too on this journey of taking off the masks, it's like you take one off and you're like, ah, oh, there I am. And then uh, coming back into the external world, the, the 3D and navigating life through this new way of being. And it's like, oh, hang on, there's another mask here. And being invited in really challenging spaces, but also really blissful moments to take that one off and then see what's beneath that. And it's like this kind of one of those Russian dolls with like, what are they called? Where you like take the thing and then you find the thing oh, yeah. in the middle. Like There's another one and there's another yes. one. <laughs> yes. And it's so and, fascinating. Uh, I think there's a perception among uh as you go on your healing journey that you're going to be healed, which is like, there is truth to that. And in, in that the, the journey does bring wholeness and integration to many different parts of you. But I do find that at some point there needs just to be a peace with the idea that I will forever be taking off layers. <laughs> I will never, mm. I will never arrive. We're not trying to get to a destination, but perhaps, mm. As we, as those little Russian dolls get smaller and smaller, it becomes uh, lighter to lift up, and it's not so heavy mm. anymore to carry. Right. But there's, more than, there's always another one. There's always another one underneath, and yes, um, it's the mystery and the joy of the discovery that does become quite uh, a beautiful space to be in. Mm. Yeah, I love that. I, acceptance is a word that's been really alive for me. Um, in my trauma recovery journey in particular over the last month acceptance of all of the parts and it's just so beautiful to really sit and be in this energy of lifting the veil i'm going to read out what's in the um, guidance and for everyone listening just inviting you to notice what feels true what feels good and what feels right right where you are and to take what resonates and leave the rest and I'm curious about what um, feels really present for you too Rick 
Lifting the veil, questioning everything, anything aligned, unaligned must go. Things aren't always as they seem. This era is one of uncovering mistruths so that we can remember ancient truths. Everything is in a state of recall and realignment. Anything that isn't in harmony with the planet will not survive. This goes for society and the world at large, as well as in our own lives. If you pull this card, you're being called to energetically scan your life for things that may no longer be a vibrational match for who you are and how you've grown. To dismantle the systems and ways of being that once served you and others, but no longer do. Some star seeds are here to lift the veil between the seen and unseen worlds, to shine a light on things that are inauthentic or unaligned with the survival and well-being of Earth. Ooh, I feel that's so true. <laughs> mm -hmm. To stand for and protect those who don't have a voice. To look deeper and question everything that previous generations did not. Some star seeds cannot tolerate things that aren't congruent. They're here to bring society and humanity back into harmony with the planet and the creator at large. If we tolerate things in our life that aren't aligned and con congruent, with it, we add to the misalignment of the planet. Mm. You're being called to trust yourself, notice what's out of alignment, and then take the baby steps required to bring it back into harmony. This is no easy feat, but it's so worthwhile, both individually and for the planet. What isn't congruent in your life? How are you being called to bring it back into harmony? Mm. Harmony is like the word that is mm -hmm. a theme in my life at the moment. What's alive for you in that, Rick? So many beautiful uh, provocations in those in those words, um, and several things. One is um, really being shifted to um, simplicity recently in life. And the simplicity really for me has been to just feel into my space in belonging with Papa Tuanuku and, and the way that earth is and, and balance. And um, really discovering how simple life really can be and how beautiful wow. it can be and how much we overcomplicate it really. Like in the end of the day, uh, we, we really have been sold a dummy with with all the complexities that's added on top of life through mm -hmm. what we're trying to achieve and what we're trying to build when I feel like the the mother's call is just to return to her and to feel that sense of belonging deeply um like perfectly in balance and harmony so that that just sums up for sure the journey that's kind of unfolding within me Wow. Oh my gosh. There's so much in there. There's so much in there. How has that journey been for you back home, back to Papatuanuku? Um, you know, like I, I was born in South Africa and happy to go into some of that, that details about how that really um, impacted who I was. But when I moved to New Zealand, when I was 12 years old, I, I very uh, soon realized that I'm in a culture that, that's foreign and it's a culture I didn't really understand, even though we played rugby 
together, right? Like we 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 looked fairly similar, played rugby, and I could speak some English. The culture was very different, and I didn't understand them, and they didn't understand me. So I felt really foreign, and my relationship with nature was. Uh, I didn't like New Zealand's forests. I walked in there and it was like, there was a rejection of the forest. And I realized that because it wasn't like the bush that I grew up with, it wasn't uh, beautiful plains of Savannah, Savannah kind of African um, with, uh, with animals everywhere. Like that was the blueprint of, of what was um, home for me. And alongside like this rejection I felt from, uh, I suppose the the new culture, the new masculine culture, especially here in New Zealand, it's very foreign to me. I, I projected that onto Papa Tuanuku, mm. the forest, because it felt foreign. Mm. And so about, it's been awakening probably about three years ago for me, where uh, I just started to understand and feel into uh, her as my creator, I suppose, as my mother, as the womb. And I just remember going for a walk here in the Hakaramata, as I live in Narawahia. It's just the most beautiful space on earth. And uh, a whisper came to my heart. Mm. And as I, I, I remember the silver fern, the, the, the ponga that I was looking at, and the whisper was just, as you fall in love with me, you will restore identity and become whole. And so it was just like this little whisper in my heart, like as you fall in love with me, your identity will be restored, your sense of belonging and everything else will kind of flow from that, which was quite foreign to me. Like, to be honest, like most of my life, I was pretty disconnected from earth. I, I was brought up in a, in a, in a religious tradition that, said that we kind of dominated and cultivated earth. The earth was here to serve us rather than us to serve it. Um, mm. And so, and definitely in that Western mind where it was like just, you know, the, the prime survival was the human species and whatever we need to do to kind of make that happen. So mm. that paradigm shift has just uh, incrementally happened for me where I started to realize like, the depths of the creator and the mothering and the and the space that we've really come from within mm. within nature. And so now it's like I spent so much time, that's most of my time, <laughs> just looking for the forest, walking in, mm -hmm. and, and feeling grounded and feeling held. And recently uh, just been really having encounters of being open to feeling the energy of the earth, feeling the creaks and the groans and the grieves and the suffering that is held as well mm -hmm. and allowing myself to be part of that whole system. And as I've opened that up, I've realized like, wow, I really belong here. I'm not <laughs> apart. I'm not separate from the system. I'm not separate from this complex nature. I am earth. I am nature i am her and she is me and so it's hard to put into words but it's definitely been deeply transformational for me wow wow 
Wow. That feels like a warm hug. <laughs> Just really honoring you and your journey to, um, to home, to yourself and to the earth. Wow. Uh, it's so beautiful how you speak of the Hakari Matters. I've been um, moving out there. I've been called to just be out there alone um, quite a lot over the last six months. And the whispers from uh, that space uh, have been truly transformative. And to hear you speak into one of those whispers and what it's creating for you and your connection is just full body goosebumps. Like just, wow, totally honoring you. Um, in your journey of receptivity too, you know, you talk about a masculine culture and being able to surrender and let go and be in a space of receptivity to receive something like that is really profound and honoring you and your journey with that too um, because that's no easy thing in a culture that is quite domineering and controlling and uh, overruling. So, yeah, um, you know, my name uh, is Richard Francois Furi. So it's an Afrikaans name. And so coming over to New Zealand very quickly, I realized like um, <laughs> by the fourth time you try and explain your name, people kind of lose interest in the conversation <laughs> or like the, you know, like the, it was high school. So you get to the roll call and, and the teacher just pauses and you're like, okay, yeah, that's me. I'm present. But there was just this mm. kind of, I suppose a rejection in that uh, relationship. And I took on the veil of Rick right? Like the name Rick, almost in an attempt to fit into this masculine culture that I never really felt accepted by. Like I didn't know enough about fishing and didn't know enough about cars or skateboarding or gaming. It was just, just wasn't me. Mm. And so um, the journey of coming home to myself has been, I suppose, I've always felt relatively comfortable in female presence. And uh, in my 20s, uh, I started an organization that ended up employing like 98% females. We had like 100 and probably 300 staff working for us. 97% female, very comfortable. But mm. when it came to like engaging with other males, like just never really felt uh, strong enough, good enough, masculine enough, mm. and um, it was it was actually like maybe a couple of years ago. I think just in that January that uh, we danced together at one of the New Year's festivals. Like highlight, remember that really well. But um, it was at Kiwi Burn that January. I was with a friend, so and it was just. I thought I did a lot of work, but I was like, yeah, I, you know, I, I just went to, I really spent 2019 just uncovering a whole lot of shit that was, that was still holding me back and deconstructing so much of life. And I thought, man, I did, I've done a lot of work. 
And but I was here finding myself around rad people that I love, really like good friends, feeling so fucking insecure about and just looking at like all the guys. And I'm like, they're so much better than me. They're so much more interesting than me. Look at how they communicate. Look at how much, you know, whatever it was. Mm. And it just like gnawed at me. And uh, it was like the Saturday night. I, we were just walking along t- to one of the, one of the kind of um, theme camps. And I turned to a really good friend and I just said, man, I can't, I feel really, really insecure and I just don't feel good enough. I, in fact, and I just started sharing with him. I said, I feel really comfortable in like the feminine space, but I just feel really insecure in that in 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 the around males Mm. just looked at me and he held me and i'm crying like this is you know the rendition of it is is very stable i was a mess because i just Mm. it was just building up so much Mm. he looked at me and said man when i look at you i think if i think about someone who's integrated masculine and feminine beautifully I I look at you and I think that's you and that's just the way I see you and I'm like oh stop it and anyway so opening up like to my to my beautiful friend and being received in that space mm. just like opened up this encounter for the rest of the night like on the dance floor like open air bare feet dancing which felt like just this rebirth coming from the earth up into me of like masculine energy that I didn't, that I always knew was there, but I never really allowed that strength to arise and, and, and take a hold of me really beautifully. Mm. And so that night like was, it really was one of the most transformational experiences for me. But that night I was like, I came home to myself, like the strong, masculine as well as the accepting accepting feminine you know like because it's in culture it's you're constantly thinking that like oh i shouldn't be like this i should be different mm-hmm. and so acceptance of the beauty that actually uh, uh, lives in that as well as like this balancing masculine within me coming home and then like from that really coming home back to Rikert, my like my name, not my veil, not the one that's trying to um, become something or someone to be accepted, but just like to stand fully alive in, in, in everything that I am. So mm. that, wow. yeah, that, that coming home. And now I, I try to emphasize, I just say, hello, my name is Rickert. And then I just, I really wait. I try not to be like, you can also call me Rick, because that's the awkwardness, you know, <laughs> so. Mm. Wow. Honoring your vulnerability. Like how beautiful to speak life into what was in your heart and to feel Mm -hmm. that edge of vulnerability in relation to another, in connection with your friend, to put it all on the line and to be met with so much presence and to be met with so much acceptance for who you be in all of it. But how medicinal that sounds like it was 
to truly allow yourself to integrate more of that energy and that essence that moves through you mm. and to kind of create this passage, this portal or this doorway for yourself to transform through from Rick to Ricket, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And to fully be embraced there by embracing yourself, which is just, oh, holy moly. Yeah. <laughs> which, feels, which feels like a really potent place to introduce you. <laughs> I feel like we didn't do that. <laughs> that, was, that was the blurb. Hi, guys. <laughs> like, wow, wait, who is this? What are we doing here? <laughs> we have dived right in, like all the way in. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to say kia ora and welcome to the Take Your Meds podcast. It is such a privilege and an honor to have you here. And as you mentioned, we really got to know each other it was a couple of years ago over a New Year's at a festival, really being able to connect in. I remember Kelsey, my good friend from the UK, was here and we just had such a beautiful time. And there was a morning where we were laying on the air mattresses just out under the trees and the deer were in the background and the sun was kind of coming through the trees and it was just such a beautiful moment to just share sacred space and time and I remember really feeling your heart and really being like wow that is a transformative being who are they and um getting or feeling a sense of curiosity about the medicine of your heart and I I don't even really know uh, and didn't really know your background or um, what you did for work. I don't know if we even talked about work. <laughs> I just remember feeling feeling your heart and being like, wow, this is a transformative being. I know that you shared a little bit about your um, religious upbringing as well, which I had resonated with um, coming mm -hmm. from church and um, then coming out, but still having a strong sense of spirituality and faith. Um, mm. But I wanted to just create a space for you to introduce you with what's alive for you and what feels good to speak life into with where you are right now in your journey. That could be work, family, mood, whatever. Um, so kia ora and welcome. What's alive? Wow. Uh, definitely uh, have shared, I think, a foundation of what's been happening for me personally uh, over the last little while. Um, yeah, like if, if just for the benefit of, of people who are listening, my background um, is varied, really. I um, I still count myself fortunate to have had a beautiful encounter with myself in the context of music, sound, and spirituality through the church setting at 16. And that was really transformative for me. That that was probably the first experience of coming home to myself. Mm. And the, the, the setting was clunky. The religion was dogmatic. 
it had every you know every bit that you read you know was probably there but for me that was this portal the imperfect portal invitation mm. to start coming home to who i thought i was at 15 you know 14 15 i shared a little bit of how i felt so out of touch with the world around me mm. so isolated so that became a pretty grounding experience for me and i knew that like this medicine that i just received that what what that was was the thing that will sustain me until the day i die mm. and so it has gone through all sorts of iterative iteratives it's gone through uh, constructions of worldviews and meanings it's gone through hurt and pain and disappointment and shame and it's gone through deconstruction right but the thing which is the homecoming to myself and, and the interconnected interconnectivity to all things has always been the same thing it's just been my mind that has tried to put labels and words on it i suppose mm. throughout my life. so um that that feels that feels true for me and that's kind of the guiding rudder uh i suppose the guiding post that that guides me and um, I just knew I, I wanted to help and serve people to also experience that homecoming throughout mm -hmm. life. So I was a youth pastor and helping teenagers for a long time. And then I realized like, geez, teenagers are already pretty, pretty stuffed. So now, <laughs> so I'm, I'm going <laughs> to work, work with, and no, so we, but that, that whole path led me to um, actually working with, uh, families and teachers with setting up early childhood services. So we set up right. an early uh, organization called Creators Educational Trust when I was like 23. And with this thought that like, man, if we can, if we can support Fano and Tamariki for that first three years or five years of their life where the brain is like 97% of the neural connections are formed and, and most of the blueprint is laid down and we can, we can be that loving safe space and encounter for them i can mm. imagine what we could do but back then i still wanted to kind of like save the world now i'm like mm. not so much there anymore but the, you know mm -hmm. like when you try you're trying to be do something really big and significant and that was kind of like the, the launching pad that i thought would be would be amazing and so that's been just this crazy journey that it's taken me on and um as i mentioned like uh in my 20s that uh, was really a, a massive part of my life. And um, we we set up an organization that kind of did like nationwide care. We had about a thousand children that we were providing um, wow. early childhood care for and whānau that we were helping. We were helping with um, Oranga Tamariki and fostering homes and su providing support for, for Tamariki who were um, being like, it's a it's actually an awful system when you get into it but just being uplifted mm -hmm. and put home to home and mm -hmm. really beautiful and fulfilling work and um and then have since then i'm still doing a lot of that stuff but working um a lot with kayako on mindfulness and and leadership and helping them uh empowering them to really empower their communities and and then just yeah, range of other interests that tickle my fancy. <laughs> <laughs> As you do. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, beautiful. I learned a thing or two there. That's so cool. That's awesome. 
yeah, there's like that naivety, um, I guess, in in your 20s. I don't know if you resonate with this. For me, there was like this naivety that you could change the world. And you can, but there's the humility of the human experience. And I think what I'm learning is that um, Aaron Hardy said it really well in the last podcast episode was that um, ambition and narcissism are interconnected. And if we don't understand the boundaries of the human experience, then we can get lost in um, the fantasy of infinite potential and infinite um, idealistic, I don't know what the word is, but like fantasy Mm -hmm. island, basically. And it's not that it's not that we can't create um, heaven on earth. I think where I'm at with that now is that that is a, that is an internal state of being that in your embodiment um, invites curiosity from the world around you. And um, I have a felt sense that um, that we can and absolutely should do what we can with what we've got to make the world a better place. And I think unprogramming from the religion and I'm innately a bad person and um, goodness is created through the doing, Mm -hmm. Um, unraveling all of that then presents a new option and a new opportunity to serve and be of service. But I'd love to hear your views on that, especially as you've navigated and traversed that from so many different spaces. I think it's quite profound what uh, you mentioned around ambition and narcissism being closely linked. Um, you know, like when I look back at my my calling, my my inertia into the world as as a you know as a young being, I really did want to make a difference in the world for the good of all humans. Like I know that right. to be true. Mm-hmm. But what I also know to be true is that I just wanted to be awesome. right you know like I also wanted to be seen as doing good I also wanted Mm -hmm. to have identity and feel significant and Mm -hmm. I think those two things actually you know without demonizing that experience because that is an experience that I think is is very much necessary if you take a step back and look at life like the forming of identity the emerging into the world of of who I am and try and just testing your your own self against you know the things that is around you that's that's so necessary mm. but I think um it's not a it's not necessarily an effective way of being in the world because mm. it, it causes a lot of um I think fractured relationships along mm-hmm. the way mm-hmm. because yes that's been my experience anyway and so um coming you mentioned like the idea of light warriors or light you know light over darkness that's that's for me has been the transforming thought or deconstructing of belief like oh you know i'm a warrior of let's call it a warrior of light and i need to be on team light and i need to make sure that as many people as possible are enlightened or have the light and experience this light that Mm -hmm. you can call that anything like the light could be uh, I've got to save as many people out of poverty. The light could be I've got to 
touch as many souls as possible with this beautiful medicine of the podcast, whatever it is, like that light is alluring and it, it calls you and, and it feels good. It's kind of like caught up in this uh, um, feedback cycle of like you do good. People say that you do good. You feel good. And so you do more good. And it's like it's like this positive mm-hmm. cycle. But I think eventually the wheels start running out a little bit. You know, Jesus had this really profound statement where he said that the poor will be with you always. Right. Here's the like the warrior of light, apparently, saying, mm. like, oh no, we're not gonna solve that one. <laughs> like mm. it's a so I think the the acceptance that life is both light in equal proportion to what it is darkness, mm-hmm. and that it's not my role to actually bring more light so that the darkness can vanish. That actually doesn't exist. It's not a paradigm that, that works in reality. It's mm. more that more to realize that both light and darkness is part of our unique oneness and experience and that I shouldn't, as soon as I demonize the darkness as not good enough or um, wrong or maybe just, uh, yeah, insignificant maybe, then I fall into a treadmill, a trap that will never lead to true contentment or peace. I'm wow. trying to solve something. I'm always trying to be better, do better, and and be, you know, be different, make the world different to what it is now. Wow. And so there's a there's an absolute beauty. Now you can like when you realize like the world is is both tragic and magic in equal proportions, and your mm. life is both tragic and magic, and you can't have your life all like unicorn sunshines and roses. Like that is an ideology that will trap you if you're trying to mm-hmm. run towards it. Mm-hmm. So coming back to what you're talking about, like deep acceptance of reality as it is, mm-hmm. then um, you start to see your purpose in the world quite differently. Mm-hmm. The world just simply is, and suffering uh, is when you rage against reality. Right? Rather oh, than shit! <laughs> suffering is when you rage against reality mm-hmm. holy shit i'm gonna do a lot of journaling after this <laughs> you just oh, yeah. downloaded you just downloaded so many potent one-liners on the site oh my <laughs> goodness yeah that is a real paradigm shift there <clears throat> i've been sitting with what's really alive which is like my ability to tolerate discomfort and how that is connected to what I thought was my purpose and being part of helping to alleviate suffering or being a voice for the voiceless, so narcissistic. Mm -hmm. Um, What what has been really beautiful for me in this journey is um, someone's shared some words with me. That was just one of those moments, get off the cross. We need the wood. And I was like, (laughs) Whoa, that's good. But it really invited for me um, a deep reflection on my martyrdom at where Mm -hmm. I will 
give more than what I have? And what is the part of me that resonates with that? Because that's toxic. And so mm. what's the fuckapapa of that? And how do I get to grow self-mastery around the part of me that resonates with dysfunction in my life? And um, really going on this inward journey and where I've come to in this last month even, which is just so timely with this conversation, mm. this tolerance for suffering. Am I doing this? Am I behaving in a certain way because of my inability to tolerate hard things? Can I sit with you in the discomfort and in the utter pain of what is the human experience? Or will I bypass that and try and problem solve to create this perfect light frequency in all things that is just not anywhere near the truth of the human experience? So I just love that you have brought this up. And for me, it is also connected into your ability to regulate your nervous system. If your nervous system is totally dysregulated, you have no capacity <laughs> for much at all. So I'd love mm. to hear what's alive for you with this, because for me, this is the new paradigm of leadership. It isn't creating new, crazy, innovative, game-changing ideas that fix all things. I feel like I'm in the season right now in terms of the new paradigm of leadership of a of an inner universe, of an inner reality that is being radically transformed. So I'd love to hear what your views are on that. Yeah, that's uh, just want to honor what you're saying and like how how beautiful to come to that place and interested as well to understand a little bit more about like how martyrdom shows up for you. Because I'm sure like as you give context, I'll be like, yes, you know, the idea that that it's you're the one that has to hold everything together and 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 uh, be the one to make sure that everyone's OK or play that hero role. Right. Um, and what, what, yeah. Yeah, I think the, the piece there in it for me that radically transformed and shifted things was that right here in front of me is a transformative being. And so there is nothing that I need to force. There's nothing that I need to do to push. My invitation is deep presence in the embodiment of who I'm being called to be in this moment. And as you are a transformative being on your own timeline, receiving whatever is being called to come in at whatever point that I have no insight, no need to have insight over either. All I'm being called to do in this moment is be authentic in presence with the moment and with myself. And whatever that invites in for anybody else is their invitation as a transformative being. And so there came this place inside of me where it just didn't feel right anymore to be in a system or part of a system that says you are not a transformative being. And so we will come in and be the hero for you. And that is about not empowering people to claim their voice and not empowering them to uh, reclaim their ability to choose something and further reinforces learnt helplessness, which is a trauma response. And so in my own journey with this, it's like, actually, no, 
You are a transformative being. Whatever is being invited in your divine timeline, I trust. And all I need to do is be in communion with the authentic me in the present moment with you. Yeah, man, that's beautiful. That is so good. I One of the tools that we uh, teach and we do a little mindful leadership course for um, for leaders is is the the drama triangle and i'm sure you're mm -hmm. you may be familiar well familiar with that but the um the, i the, the drama triangle for for those who haven't come across it really is like an upside down triangle at the bottom it's the victim the one that that um the wrong has been done to right and then you have in the one corner the persecutor the one who's doing the wrong mm -hmm. and then you have the uh the hero the one who is trying to provide temporary relief to the victim mm -hmm. and it's a drama triangle and it's a similar idea of like being stuck in light working like you know the the world should be this person should be different to what they are that's ultimately what the hero wants to provide like some sort of temporary relief so that they're okay the mm -hmm. victim ultimately has a mindset that uh that they are not enough that the world is happening to them that they have no control and no power the mm -hmm. persecutor is the one that gets blamed for the for for the reason why the victim hasn't got any power and then you've got this hero uh, mm -hmm. who's trying to fix it now what's interesting for me what's most interesting because really we focus on self-awareness so for me just doing a little bit of leadership chat leadership is just whatever you take responsibility for so it's just simply you know, that could be you taking responsibility for being a, a father or a mother, for your children, being the leader. It could be the responsibility feeding your dog, or it could be the responsibility of leading, you know, a multi-million uh, dollar organization. Whatever you take responsibility for, that is the thing that you're leading. Mm -hmm. It's not a title. It's not something that someone else tells you. It's just a simply an, an internal decision. Mm. And the quality of quality of your leadership is going to depend on the quality of the relationships that you have around you, but mm -hmm. mostly the relationship that you have with yourself, right? And so dropping back into the idea that, uh, like, the relationship that you have with this complex thoughts, feelings, and emotions, and, and, and you know, mindsets is really, like, the, is going to determine the quality of, of what kind of leader you are. So when we we talk about like this one tool, this drama triangle, what I like to do is just to kind of, for me, it's <laughs> super helpful. Whenever I'm in a situation where this, where, where I'm either uh, triggered or frustrated or or even um, in a situation helping someone, I try and have a look at like how am I showing up? How is my internal like circle creating drama for myself? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. how am I in this situation identifying as a victim, mm -hmm. right? So how am I in this situation uh, giving away my power outside of myself? And mm -hmm. then, so the, the victim says that I, I can't change this. Um, it's out of my control. I've got nothing, you know, kind of like that desperate de despair. The persecutor really is the one that blames. So the persecutor within me, that little voice in me, is the one that says, well, it's actually Gemma's fault, <laughs> mm. or it's the technology's fault, or it's the dog's fault, or it's mostly, most often, it's my fault. I mm. blame myself for uh, uh, 
for the for the situation that I am. And then the hero is like, you should just go have a little drink of wine, like a bottle of wine tonight, and everything will be okay. Like, how can I provide just a little bit of temporary relief for the situation? And mm-hmm. then we just keep going outside and outside. And and the shift, invitation to the shift, which is the shift that you talked about, is to shift that drama triangle into like the empowerment dynamic where the uh, victim is uh, is switched as a cre- into a creator and they're mm-hmm. viewed as their own creator, that they are the, the author and the creator of their own life, that they have power, that power center shifts from outside themselves. And so when I'm coaching someone or when I'm in relationship with a team member, that lens of trans- that transformative lens that you talked of, like they have everything they need. Mm-hmm. And if we hear if that back with like the world doesn't need just light, the world is quite comfortable with both life and death, light and darkness. It means mm-hmm. that, that that person that I'm connecting with or myself actually are perfectly okay. <laughs> and mm-hmm. that they they are in this situation, the exact situation that they need to be for the medicine to flow through and transform their life. So about just holding space for them in that space, just to uh, um, reaffirm that they are indeed in the right space and they do indeed have all the power they need to uh, author their own life. And then so that the, the victim switches to the creator, the, the, the hero uh, or the persecutor switches to the challenger. So instead of the persecutor, the one that comes in with like blame and, and shame, like why aren't you good enough and why didn't you do that? It just comes to like gently inviting them to explore their edges. Like mm. what's that like? Seeing the full potential of what they can become and just inviting them with candor into those edges and then the hero becomes the coach you know and the coach really all the coach has to do is just bring them back to finding the right questions like what questions should have your attention now what is not we're not looking for solutions or anything we're just looking for like what is the most powerful question that you can ask yourself right now so that it can activate that creator energy in you to uh to move through through that so Mm. Yeah, I, I, that just came to mind for me as a, as a tool that someone can use just to identify like that story in your head. If you can just with some comedy identify like how am I both the victim, the persecutor mm-hmm. and the hero, parts of me is keeping me in this loop. Mm-hmm. And then just becoming self-aware and becoming aware of that will already like help a lot. And then moving into that space of, okay, how am I, how am I giving, how am I situating my power outside of myself? And how do I bring that back as a creator? What mm. can I control and what can't I control? Getting mm. uh, those, those points. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I love that you've touched on this. This is so powerful to explore. And I can feel as well, like all the hesitations that come up, that certainly came up for me at the start of practicing this of like, but I have been a victim and there have been multiple traumas upon multiple traumas that have taken place. And it was almost like 
the, the resistance to being able to embrace something like this. And as well, you know, as a Pakya woman, you know, that's even, um, and owning my privilege as well. Yes, I have experienced mental distress and, um, you know, that has been the beautiful cards actually that I've been dealt in my journey. Um, that when you live in a world that demands you are resilient with these systems that are outside of us that uh, present a reality that is traumatizing. How do we navigate that? What is your sense on that and how we can be in a place of attunement to the emotional felt experience of I guess, learnt helplessness or the ongoing impacts of trauma um, in people's lives to then be able to move from that place to the empowerment space? Like, what's that journey like? Do you have any advice or any insight or support for those people that are like, yeah, that sounds great, but um, that's so far away from where I am? Mm. I think I again acknowledge as what you did that I do speak from a privileged place um, and I have come from a reasonably decent family dynamic where I, where I feel like I was held really beautifully and so I want to put that disclaimer that like this is just my lived experience and um, and should it not resonate with you that's perfectly awesome <laughs> that's that's all, all good as well mm. but I'll come back to the idea that like most of our suffering that that happens in our mind is not so much the event right but it's the it's being in isolation and mm -hmm. and the fortress that forms post the trauma and I'm not a trauma specialist yeah. and so um, this is just purely things that I've learned into yeah now so the the stories that we start telling ourselves is that life should be different and it shouldn't have happened and that is absolutely mm -hmm. true but a lot of the suffering then also comes because of our attachment to how we think life should be now this can be minor and major mm -hmm. right? like i think a lot of the the suffering that then that, that happens for us comes from our attachment to how life should or shouldn't have been yeah or reality should or shouldn't have been mm -hmm. and so it's my sense that if we can journey from life should have been different to reality is and i've been given a pretty shit hand or the, through these things but that is also uh, the invitation to accept that both light and darkness exist as one. Mm. And for me, that journey of acceptance does help bring us through to a space where we can start seeing where we can take power in our life mm -hmm. and we can start seeing where we do have the authorship mm -hmm. rather than looking back and trying to always change what's already happened or change mm -hmm. this present. Mm -hmm. So uh, acceptance and awareness is is really like these beautiful 
tools of healing, which is not going to change yeah. the past. And it's not going to change uh, immediately your present, but it is going to invite you to uh, have a life that is uh, potentially less suffering in your mind. So, yeah. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for presencing that. I love what you said there around the fortress it creates, because often we experience these stressful life events and in isolation create stories, create beliefs about what they mean about ourselves and about the world. And that then creates a fortress where we think we're now safe because of the story and meaning making we have created around that to now keep us from that ever happening again, say, um, but it has also then kept us in a fortress from the full human experience, including bliss, including joy, including deep love, intimacy and connection, peace, um, abundance, miracles. And I feel like there's something so potent about realigning and repositioning yourself after these stressful life events or traumas that take place to, like you say, look at where you can be powerful, where you can have a voice, where you can begin to choose something different. And then as a result, begin getting yourself back into a resourceful place where you're in the place of empowerment rather than that victim triangle. So thank you. That resonates. Yeah. That resonates a lot. Absolutely. I think um, somewhat hesitant to share, but um, I do sense the calling to share this, that one of the most um, honoring experiences that I've been able to be a part of in life has been in the last uh, 12 months where uh, Maria and I, uh, we come, we, we have, a, Maria was on, on your Take the Meds podcast probably 12 months ago. I don't know, I'm not sure exactly, mm -hmm. but. About that. Encourage, yeah, encourage people to go listen to that probably for the full context, because you really will get the full context of, of what mm. transpired in the last 12 months. Mm. Uh, we, we have a blended family, and um, I have three children, and Maria has one, and so we have four children together uh, that, that's, that we are kaitiaki of. And um, uh, we, we went on a journey, and we've been together for seven or eight years, where... Uh, we were exploring whether we want to have a child together. And it was a really, it was a fairly, as many people probably in new relationships or blended families know, that's a fairly turbulent um, question to try and bring to the surface and figure out whether that's going to be um, what we, we desire. And, uh, but through like pretty magic circumstances, we really landed on like, oh, that, yeah, we're going to have a child together. And I remember going to like a Maori um, healer in Pukukoi and both Maria and I, and she was amazing. And I um, had a, a decision with her and so did Maria. And then I kind of left and sat under the tree. And like for context, like I was having real issues with like acceptance of having another child. Cause I'm like, man, I feel like I've done my dash. It was, there was a lot of resistance to it at times. And um, 
And I remember just writing in my phone, I just felt this deep sense. And it was like, you're going to have a boy. Maria will be pregnant on the 24th of April, 2021. He'll be a healer and a prophet. Bit of old language coming through there, but that's just what was coming through. Mm. I like sat there and I was like, okay. That felt really true to me in that moment. And on the 24th of uh, April, um, we were pregnant. And we didn't find out what we, we were having. We kept it as a mystery. That was, uh, we were, I, was, I had my intuition from this experience that I had. But on the other side, Maria, who has um, just like swum through treacherous waters with um, giving birth, she uh, she had a stillborn baby when she was 21, I think, and uh, and so those fears were gripping. And she had another child after that, which is our beautiful boy Talon. And so that trauma was so present for her, and um, the openness in which she she went through this has been just so remarkable being able to see how she um, worked through the fear to both throughout the pregnancy to just lead to a deep acceptance of like my worst fear is that my baby is not going to make it but i'm going to remain open every day to have a relationship with my baby i'm going to allow myself to buy the baby clothes i'm going to allow myself to get excited and think about the future. And um, just remarkable for me to, to, to witness. And yes, there were many moments of like turmoil and like deep fear that also gripped us through the pregnancy as those past traumas came to life. Brooke passed away at 38 weeks, but Maria just deeply attuned for me like the the journey that she's gone through for me in the last eight years has just been of healing trauma like really deep mm -hmm. unimaginable like trauma and so to see her open and then to come to uh, we had a home birth and did it up exactly the way she dreamed and um as River was born, we looked at his. We we looked at him as he came out, and he was moving throughout the whole labour um, phase, and the heart was beating. But something happened right at, at the end, and um, our little boy wasn't breathing. And something just came into the room this peace deep acceptance held mainly by maria that he had indeed passed away he wasn't going to be with us chaos just unfolded like so many um so many people <laughs> came and uh into the room like paramedics and helicopters and it was just chaos and maria had to be taken to the hospital with an ambulance and I was carrying river the whole way through so 
at that at that moment when trauma like when life like we were manifesting we were we were doing all the things that we were supposed to do right like we were taking our meds we were doing movement and supplements and whatever you know whatever it is to have like do the best you can but life is going to come at you and it's going to be unfair and it's going to be unjust and it's not going to be right. Mm. And you have at that moment the choice to make whether you are going to close your heart off from uh, ever receiving life again because the pain is so real mm. or whether you're going to remain open and accepting and those two feelings come in oscillations and waves mm-hmm. Fuck life i don't want to be here anymore to like wow this is really profound like what's gone on i'm open to receive and as we have navigated our heart space to remain open as much as what we can mm-hmm. being shit in between i have found a treasure trove of feeling and knowing that i have i didn't know was real i didn't know it was part of the human experience wow. and so even though these these moments of trauma and unfairness and unjust and grief are painful beyond words and imagination mm-hmm. they're also portals into an experience of human existence that goes so much deeper than what you could ever have imagined to be true and as much as the depths of the like the darkness is so also is like the infinite depths of the light that you can experience in equal measure mm-hmm. if you do remain open so i suppose that's maybe the most i can offer for anyone that's gone through hideous things is that your darkness is also your light your darkness is also the invitation to experience light to the same degree and it's not easy but if you remain open iteratively open as much as you can on the day mm. that that magic and that medicine does come mysteriously through and to minister to you as well mm. thank you so much for sharing river's story and to meet River in this moment as a healer and as a prophet and for inviting us into an unimaginable experience for us to be able to understand from a distance what can be possible when we allow ourselves to feel and to sit with and be with all of what makes us human. 
I, yeah, I honor, I honor your journey and just want to say thank you so much for speaking so much life into what's been alive for you both over the last couple of months. To hear so much um, fruit from this darkness. Just, yeah, wow. In, in awe. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Um, I feel like we have covered so much ground and <laughs> met so many parts of ourselves and what's alive in our experience. Is there anything else as we come to a close that you have on your heart that you feel you'd like to leave as a final word, a final message, a final invitation, a final question for everyone listening uh, to invite them into a new paradigm of leadership? What's the most alive for me is that, uh, like, our mother is wounded and she's hurting and what this experience of grief has allowed or given or has gifted me is to somehow and it's, it's a conversation for a whole nother podcast feel so deeply what the this the i want to say the grief that's held within and she holds it with such beauty and grace almost like jesus who is on the cross being persecuted by his own people being killed by his own people and he looks over and he says father forgive them for they don't know what they're doing and i feel that same sense from our mother and so the invitation for me has been to feel deeply her wounds, but also to feel deeply her acceptance and love for us. And so spend some time with her, get to know her on a level that is beyond just what she can do for you, but feel into that relationship. And you'll find a sense of belonging and a sense of purpose and everything that you have in relationship to that. Mm. Really, for me, life is now looking across and seeing all the bare paddocks and the patches, the open wounds of earth, and thinking, how can I, how can I dress her wounds? How can I nurture her? She's nurtured me. So if that's something that resonates with someone i hope that mm. inspires us mm. beautiful brother thank you so much thank you. Oh, thank you so much for opening your heart for opening your mind and to giving us a really powerful insight into your operating system 
that this might be a reference point for someone to see another way of um, another way of doing, another way of being, another way of engaging with the world. And it's not to fully pick up and try on all that has been shared here. But if there is something that has struck a chord or there's been a twist in your gut or you've felt goosebumps up one side of your body or I don't know, something's just feeling there, that is your invitation to get curious. Um, and I just want to honor you for the depths that we've traveled here, the sacredness of what's been spoken um, and say thank you so much. And if people want to connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, well, just on socials, uh, Instagram is Rigert Francois. You're going to have to figure out how to spell it to get to me. Yes. And uh, Conscious Collective is the organization that uh, I run and we do a leadership coaching through that and we do lots of early childhood stuff. You'll see it. So you can find that on Facebook and uh, also on Instagram. Perfect. I will put that in the show notes so that people can click below and it's nice and easy for them to get there. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Jim. Um, and we'll chat on the next episode for everyone tuning in. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. I want to invite you to stop what you're doing right now and really reflect on what's landed for you in this episode. What was your aha moment? Write that down and turn it into an actionable goal for you to shift your reality. Inspiration without action leaves you where you were before this episode. So gift yourself this moment for change. If you've enjoyed the episode, please review the podcast. It really helps us grow the reach. Hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. And if you have a topic you'd like to hear more about, please slide into my DMs on Instagram at the underscore Gemma underscore Rose. See you next time. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition.